Hello to all of you unconventional conventionists. Welcome back to Rocky Talkie, the Rocky Horror Podcast, where we talk about anything and everything related to our favorite cult movie. I'm Aaron. I'm John. And joining us on air this week, we have one of our absolute favorite people in the entire world, Phil Dijon from the New York City Rocky Horror Picture Showcast. Hey, Phil. Hello, uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> Phil, we feel a little silly asking you this because, of course, Aaron and I are very familiar with your place here within the Rocky community. But for those of our listeners who may not really be in the know, could you give us a brief overview of what you've been up to Rocky-wise over the past couple of decades? Yes, my name is Phil DeGene, uh, a.k.a. Uh, Checker Phil. And I've been involved with Rocky Horror since the mid-1980s. I worked for Sal Piero and the Rocky Horror Picture Show fan club for many, many, many years. I've been a cast coordinator for the New York cast. And uh, there's some stuff about me in the book Creatures of the Night. And uh, I've done a little artwork for some Rocky Horror magazines and websites you might have seen. So I'll leave it at that. All right. I've done some stuff. I'm good. You guys like me, don't you? We absolutely love you, Phil. Thank you so much for joining us today. We can't even begin to tell you how grateful we are that you're on air with us today. Now, before we get started with the show, we do that thing. We like to take a moment, ask each other, how was your week? Did you get up to anything fun? John, what were you up to? Uh, This week was uh, pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Exhausting, though. Absolutely exhausting. So it's self-promo time. For those of you who don't know... I'm a streamer on Twitch, and we've been, for the past two weekends, we've been doing this, like, really, really interesting charity dating game called The Dadchelor, where I get 15 streamers, and they essentially flirt with me live on stream for, you know, a couple hours, and then I cut people out, blah, 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 until we get down to number one, and it is a charity stream, so... I have a link that people can donate to a charity for, and the winning streamer who wins the bachelor at the very very end and the last episode is may 14th which is the day before my birthday Mm. that streamer is going to have all of that money that was donated during those streams sent to a charity of their choice so they're all out here representing a charity for them and flirting with me for for good money and we are currently recording this on a Sunday afternoon, and The Bachelor was yesterday, so I'm still coming off of exhaustion from that stream. It, they're, they're so much fun. They're so entertaining and engaging. Think The Bachelor, if it's a bunch of nerds hitting on each other for about five hours instead of one hour, and that's basically what you get. It was a wild fucking ride, and I loved every single second of it. I'm just so dead. I'm so dead. <laughs> oh, I bet. I, I caught a couple minutes of the, the other night, and you were just so fucking on, having a conversation about Pokemon or comics. I, I don't remember what it was, but <laughs> it looked like a ton of fun. Yeah, it's it really is. It's super fun. I highly recommend if somebody needs some good background sound and you just are sick of hearing about Rocky Horror the entire time, I, I recommend looking at the, the VODs for The Bachelor. However, in the first episode, there is a lot of talk of Rocky Horror because one of the people who started in round one and is currently in round three, spoilers, she's doing very well. Ariel from the Friday Night Specials cast actually oh, did her yeah. first date as Magenta. <laughs> That's adorable. I love that. Yeah, it was fantastic. But uh, th- these are probably some of the best dreams that I've ever done, objectively and subjectively. 
So I'm kind of riding a high from it right now. And our next episode is actually, unfortunately, on April 30th. We're going into round three where the streamers actually have to take me on dates, like virtual dates. And they have 10 minutes to put together a virtual date for the two of us to go on. And they're allowed to do whatever they want. I had somebody bake me a cake last night. I had somebody mail me something that was for the the date that we had tonight. I had somebody redo their setup and they like put their camera on their ceiling on top of their bed oh, so they were like yeah they were like they were like leaning and all like seductive and stuff like laying on their bed and shit while they were interviewing me it's been fucking wild i knew it was this kind of a party yeah oh it is 100 percent that kind of party <laughs> what about you phil what happened this past week well, among my many nerdities, I'm also a kind of a Broadway nerd, so I went and I got to see American Buffalo. It was a David Mamet play, and it was Mamet at his most Mamet-iest. Uh There's <laughs> Sam Rockwell in it, and Lawrence Fishburne, and some guy, uh, Chris, uh, something like His last name is Chris, like Peter Chris from Kiss. <laughs> Darren Chris. Yeah. He, they were all really good. It was, it was, it was, it was a David Mamet play. It was like some toxic masculinity going on there, but you came there for it. This is what we came for. And it was in the Rocky theater. It was circle in the square where, where, uh, oh, the uh, revival was. Yeah. 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 (laughs) That's fun. That's fun as hell. I haven't seen that one. Yeah. I want to, I, I, every single time I walk through the theater district, I'm also a a big theater bitch. Mm. Um, I, I really want to walk through there and, and see American Buffalo. I can get tickets to it right now. I have a, part of a passport program through my work where I can get like 20, $40 tickets to a lot of shows mm. and I can get them a lot for American Buffalo. I just haven't done it yet. Do you recommend? Oh yes, I do. Um, just warning you, some of the language is very salty. All right. Yeah. I, I know that I, I listen to the podcast and I know that you guys uh, don't talk, done none of that naughty talk and blue stuff here. So <laughs> I, know, I think that you guys might, you know, you just, you might want to put some cotton in your ears for some of the talking. <laughs> Thank you for the heads up. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron, what about you? What's What's been happening? Oh, just a lot of Rocky over here. Catching up on a ton of stuff after we got back from Buffalo. Unfortunately, when we got back, our uh, wonderful dog Dobby had a little bit uh, a little bit of sick issues. So we had to take him over to the vet and, uh, you know, been going back and forth with him. He's doing great right now, though. He's all better. He's sitting right over there watching us record. He heard his name a few times and perked up a little bit. So, yeah, no, he's doing good now. It's just uh, we've been doing that, and I've been catching up on everything that I blew off so that we could have our awesome trip to Buffalo last week. And that's our show. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, now that that's out of the way, how about we just dive into our first segment? So this week we have two tiny stories from College Rocky Casts. First up, COVID has gotten in the way of a Rocky performance at Muhlenberg College in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Yep. Typically, the Muhlenberg Rocky Horror Club puts out two shows a year. With COVID around, their performances have been on a hiatus, but their shows started up again last semester. Their cast got back on track this Halloween with a circus-themed performance titled Rocky Horror Big Top Show, and a performance for this semester is cowboy-themed titled Rocky Hoedown Picture Show. Yeehaw! Oh, sorry. Yeehaw is optional. (laughs) The Hoedown Picture Show. All right. 
Unfortunately, after the university relaxed some of their on-campus COVID measures, there was a rise in cases, and the university put some of their safety measures back in place. Good on them. Along with the heightening of on-campus COVID restrictions, the Rocky Horror Show for the spring semester was rescheduled. Originally set to occur this past Friday, the 8th, the show is now set to present one month from now on May 6th. All the members of the Muhlenberg Rocky Horror cast are in agreement that safety is paramount and they can't wait to perform in May. We'll be rooting for ya when the curtain's drawn, guys. So for now, let's head two states southward to Virginia for our next Rocky College piece. So James Harrison University in Harrisonburg, Virginia also has a Rocky Horror cast, and they also had a Rocky Horror show scheduled this past Friday the 8th as well as shows on the 9th and the 10th, which were unfortunately canceled. What a coincidence. Though in their case, it was due to technical issues and not, you know, COVID-related. But we're not here to talk about that. Breeze TV, which is the JMU University news outlet, recently did a piece on one of the members of the JMU Rocky cast, Marco Seberg. They conducted a video interview of Marco, where they talked about his on-campus life with a particular focus on his interactions with Rocky Horror. He wakes up, he plays Wordle, has a philosophy class, whatever. That's not what we're here for! When he talks about his involvement in Rocky Horror, Marco uses a phrase we don't often hear in the Rocky sphere, and one we thought would be really interesting to talk about. Body neutrality. And no, that isn't a combat term for incapacitation. So Rocky Horror gets treated as a bastion of body positivity, understandably so. Trixie's all about dancing around sexually in less and less clothing. Rocky spends the whole show in nothing but hot pants, and the whole movie ends with most of the cast dressing in corsets. Body positivity is all about celebrating your body and enjoying everything about it. Body neutrality exists in contrast to that. It's about recognizing that your body is less important than everything else about you. As a person that has long struggled with body dysmorphia, it could be emotionally crippling. You don't want to be an emotional cripple, do you? In Marco's words, even if I do think I'm super hot, then it's like still the least interesting thing about me. I'm funny and kind and smart imagine the fact that you're super hot being the least interesting thing about you (laughs) it it is by far the most interesting thing about me but marco really brings up an interesting point like body positivity is all the rage because it lifts spirits and reassures people about you know the flesh prison that they are currently existing in and while you may at one point feel really good about yourself internal or external factors can kind of affect that opinion Body neutrality is a way to circumvent this and erase the power any opinion of your body can have. Don't try to convince yourself you love your body because in the next moment, you find stuff about it you dislike. Instead, what you have to keep in mind that other people's opinions of you are none of your dang business. You do you, bro. You just stay you. Stay in your lane. Just relax and just be you. In a way, this is already how the Rocky Horror community operates. Crowds go wild every time Rocky's raps are pulled off, regardless of how Rocky looks. Because it's not about his looks, it's about the fact that the performer is putting themselves out there. Frank gets a standing ovation for I'm Going Home, whether he has an afro or uh, no hair at all. Not relatable for any of us. You hear that, Meg? You hear that? I wrote it. Preach, my bro, preach. 
<laughs> and Hot Patootie will still have the whole theater clapping together, whether Eddie is lifting his Columbia, whether she's lifting him, or if they're just sitting on the floor playing grab ass because neither one of them wants to lift the other. And why? Because Rocky doesn't mind. Muffin top, six pack, big boobies, little boobies, all boobies matter, hair, no hair. All that's asked of a Rocky performer is dedicated to the sultry absurdity of Richard O'Brien's masterpiece. Wear a corset with a smile on your face and a fire in your heart, and it does not matter if a little skin is pushing up over the edges. Just kick line like there's no tomorrow. So that's some food for thought. There's certainly never any harm in experimenting on how you view yourself, and Rocky is certainly a really good place to do it without worrying about being judged. Everybody at Rocky is hot. Because having the balls to perform in your underwear is such big dick energy that doing it automatically makes you hot. Damn right. Mm -hmm. We'd like to thank Marco for opening up on air about this. It can be kind of difficult to talk about sometimes. So if you'd like to check out his video, we've got that link for you in our show notes. Hey guys, before we wrap up community news, it's Aaron from the future, back to give you a quick follow-up on last week's episode about getting the rights to all your favorite films and stage shows. We had a number of folks write in and tell us about their stories navigating the legal minefield of acquiring film rights, and we thought you might like a few other real-world stories. Jamie, from up in Buffalo, let us know about her quest to secure the rights for The Room for the Francis Bacon Experiment. And despite what we might have cheekily said last week, she didn't have to negotiate with Mr. Hi, I'm Mark himself, Tommy Wiseau. The rep she spoke to was very straightforward to work with, and the fees for licensing the film seemed to be extremely reasonable. We're talking under 200 bucks, with a very straightforward ticket sales cut of about 40%, so... Hey, sounds like the rights won't be tearing you apart, unlike Lisa. We also had a great conversation with John Davey, who let us know that in addition to Criterion, the licensing company Swank Motion Pictures also seems to be in the business of getting you the rights for Rocky Horror. Now, this seems to be a relatively new kind of thing, as Swank handled all the Disney non-theatrical rights before they acquired Fox. I went and did some digging on their website, and while I couldn't find any details about licensing Rocky specifically, if you're in the market, you should definitely send them an email to one of their reps and just ask about it. Rumor has it that their rates might be even cheaper than booking through a regular movie theater connection. Obviously, your mileage might vary, but with all this stuff, it's about knowing your options. That's the key to getting your cast the best deal out there. That's it from the future. Thanks to everybody that wrote in. And now back to our regularly scheduled program. Let's move on to some community news. <laughs> community yeah, com. news. <laughs> so this week in community news, we've got some really exciting stuff to share. First up, our collective dicks all became absolutely rock hard this week when casting opened up for some of the ArcheoCon 4 performances. That's right! The official casting calls for Rocky, Shocky, Repo the Genetic Opera, Dr. Horrible Sing-Along Blog, and Hedwig and the Angry Inch are all open, so we can all start putting our audition materials together! For each of these shows, RKO will require submissions to contain, at minimum, one photo of you in costume for each role you're applying for, plus a headshot to be used in the con booklet on the website. 
That said, audition videos are strongly encouraged as they're fun as shit to watch and will give the casting teams a stronger sense of who you are as a performer. Yeah, one of the best parts of the hype leading up to a con is getting to sit and watch all the awesome con audition videos. Everyone always gets so creative, and I'd imagine the video quality is going to be even better now that we're all so used to putting on virtual performances and have two years of lockdown video editing skills under our belts. I'm really excited to see what everyone else comes with. I have a favorite video that I saw. I like Lizzie Bernard, Magenta Goes Vegetable Shopping. It's so creative, and I'm glad to see that she actually won because of it. Oh, yeah, that was so many good things over the years. I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say that my own videos are always my favorites. Um, so if any of you saw Megan, my audition for last Ar RKOCon, where we wanted to do Betty and Ralph, uh, we did a fun little video. It was right before our wedding. So we kind of did it themed like that. I think we might have a follow-up for that one. Check back in with Betty and Ralph, see how they're doing. And uh, yeah, take a look for that coming up soon because we'll be putting that together. Meg stares at me, dead-eyed across the room, as I commit her to even more work. But the deadline for submitting audition materials is June 15th. So we've got lots of time, but make sure you start soon. We all know how long it can take to get costumes repaired and cleaned up, how long it takes to film, how long it takes to edit video... I mean, I feel like a lot of us kid ourselves that putting together one of these things is going to take oh, just a couple of hours, and it ends up being a week or month long project, especially since it's probably been a couple of years since you've even taken your Dr. Horrible costume out of its bag, right? Does it even still fit, right? Did you, did you ever get around to fixing that rip like you said you would? You got to do all that before you even start thinking about filming. It sounds like you're talking to yourself. Right. <laughs> my my Eddie jacket's missing <clears throat> missing a star that needs to be fixed. Oh, and yeah, definitely important for people. Anybody doing a convention thing, please, please, please wash your outfit. I mean, seriously, seriously. <laughs> Good to know nothing has changed on that in the last 40 years. <laughs> We're not trying to scold you. We're just reminding you because we love you. <laughs> so, Phil, since we've got you here with us, we'd love to know. Casting for cons can't always have been this involved, right? Like, could you tell us a bit about how it's evolved over the years? Well, actually, I'm more of a behind-the-scenes kind of guy. I, like, back in the days, like, like uh, I remember the convention in 1990. It's more like uh, I would just get – people would just come from and hand me cassettes and say, play this cassette. You know, or the beginning of CDs. Remember those things? Yeah, CDs nuts in your mouth. Got them. Oh! <sighs> Ouch, you got me. Man, I was waiting for that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I can only imagine, especially for all of those big crazy events like that. Like, did you ever perform at a con? Can you tell us about, like, your favorite con show? Oh, yeah, right, right. Like I was saying, I was always behind the scenes kind of a guy. You know, I, I'm shy. My favorite convention of all times it had to be the beacon theater i think that's 1985 i mean not to be like i'm picking one from the past and stuff like that um i really enjoyed it when dory hartley sang because oh. people did not know what to expect and then she opened her mouth and her voice was just like like this kind of tim era thing like nobody expected and everybody was just like 
you hear everybody's collective jaw drop and then silence. And to hear Dory sing, it was just like amazing. It was such a magical time. I've been chasing that dragon since I was a kid. (laughs) I know the community has too. I mean, Dory went out for the 25th, I want to say, in LA. Also saying, I'm going home there. So good. Huge highlight. Wish I could have been there. One of these days, somebody will come up with a recording of it. Now I'll, I'll get to check it out. I even have a, a copy of uh, Dory's album, Blue Gin. I have it on CD. Oh. CD's nuts. No! Uh, yeah. <laughs> CD's nuts. Oh, never gets old. Now, what about you guys? Are either of you auditioning for shows at RKO4? Well... Meg has already started shopping for her fourth wedding dress, so I think that might end up happening. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm here for auditioning for Ralph and Betty again. I think that's super fun. You still get to see the whole show, and you still get to be part of it. I absolutely love doing that. Rumor has it that we might want to audition for something in Repo. I think that that could be uh, really fun. I hear that I get to slap Meg around in that one if I do it right, so... You know, any excuse to hit my wife, uh, I'll take it. I don't think I'm going to go in for Dr. Horrible or Hedwig. I love those shows, but I I don't think that they're something that I want to take on right now. But uh, yeah, going to see. And if any other shows come up, oh, we might be uh, might be interested in some of those. So uh, wink, wink. What about you, John? You uh, going out for RKO 4 this time? So here's the thing about me for applying this. Just obviously, I'm going to apply to Rocky because it's Rocky, right? But just like RKO3, for those of you who don't know, I ended up playing both Buffy and Xander in uh, Once More Worth Feeling. <laughs> right. Uh, because I was told by somebody in the community that I should. And that is kind of how I roll with the alternative shows. It's like I usually won't apply for them or put in for them unless someone's like, hey, you should put in for this because I thrive off of other people's compliments and approval because that's who I am as a person. So I will be applying for Rocky and I have heard that there are people who want me to apply for Hedwig. So I'll probably be putting in for Hedwig as well. That is most likely where I'm probably going to draw the line there. So as it stands right now, I'm probably going to limit myself to Rocky and Hedwig. We'll see if anything else transpires, if I'm needed anywhere else, but those are probably where I'm going to be putting myself. Very cool. What about you, Phil? Are you auditioning for any roles for RKO4? <laughs> I don't believe I shall, unless they have something for a withered old man like myself. So, Dr. Scott, all right. Oh, well, yeah. then that's, I guess I'm all in. <laughs> if any of our uh, listeners are interested in auditioning, all the information will be available at the RKO Con website which will have all the deets and submissions guidelines linked in our show notes. I always wanted to say in our show notes because I listen to you guys say it all day. (laughs) Next up, we've got some fun news for anyone interested in seeing Rocky Horror go aquatic. Horror on the High Seas recently announced its inaugural cruise convention. Together with Royal Caribbean International, this eight-day nautical convention will be providing eight days of fun for horror junkies. It's eight days in case you didn't hear that the first time. (laughs) Participants will be at sea for eight days. You heard that right, folks. Eight days with some of our faves for eight days. Uncle Barry, Patricia Quinn, and the cast of the Theater Coven Productions, who will be entertaining guests with their Freak Show Noir Rocky Horror Shadowcast performance for eight days. Also attending for eight days will be Doug Bradley, who played Pinhead in the first 
eight Hellraiser movies. (laughs) (laughs) The ship will be sailing to Mexico, visiting Port Zacal at Roatan, Costa Maya, and Cozumel. And we'll have three full days at sea where attendees will enjoy horror-themed entertainment like a costume cocktail party. Theater's coven's performance, Q&A sessions with Barry, Pat, and Doug, and plus, much, much more! Eight days, you heard it here. Mm-hmm, eight days. How many days will it be? Eight. Well, it says three at sea. Wait a second, eight days and three at sea? That doesn't make sense! Well, if you wanted even more incentive to sign up, the first 50 guests will receive a complimentary dinner in one of the ship's special restaurants with one of the celebrities. What if I wanted to dine with the captain? Can I dine with the captain like in in Titanic? Uh, I mean, you got eight days, so you just got to get on his list. Yeah. (laughs) Dinner, drinks, seasickness, and a rocky shadow cast with Pat Quinn. 40th con was fun. Ah, uh, yes. Wait, seasickness? Okay, well, not a lot of people know this, but it's in her rider that she'll only ride the D-train downtown in a waterbed. They have to ship them into any hotel that she stays at. John, neither you nor I was at 40th Con. No, 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 no. He knows what he's talking about. Thank you. <sighs> anyway... Speaking of being extra, while it sounds fun, we should note that the total cost of this cruise per person is only $2,874. Yikes, that's like basically a whole entire Frank jacket. I think that's more than a Frank jacket now. (laughs) With With pins and everything? With the repos? Yeah, you can get it for cheaper. Yeah, this definitely will not be a low-cost vacay. But if you're able to swing it, getting to spend eight days cruising to Mexico with Uncle Bear Bear would be pretty damn cool. If you think you can swing it, or if you just want to check out the deets and all eight days, we've got the website linked for you in our show notes. Yeah, I mean, this trip does look like it's going to be an absolute ton of fun, and we'd love to hear from anyone who is able to attend. Hanging out with Barry and Pat would be cool, but we especially want to hear about the Freak Show Noir performance. Theater Coven is such a new cast, and we've really been loving getting to hear all about the fantastic stuff that they've been up to in just such a short amount of time. And don't forget, if you're in or around the Baltimore area, they've also got tickets for their June performances available for sale now. June 17th, 18th and 19th will be their Pride Weekend performances. So you know that show will be especially wild. We've got those linked for you in the show notes if you'd like to check them out. And speaking of performances by fantastically talented black casts from the Baltimore area, we've got a great show on the horizon that's a bit closer to home and won't last eight days. Our community has been all about hangouts recently. Lots of our members across the East Coast have been visiting each other to share stage time and just to hang out. And we have been all about it. Continuing this fun as hell trend, the JCCP, our friends out in Pittsburgh, have announced that they're going to be partnering with none other than the chocolate-covered Rocky Horror cast to bring us the groovy 60-themed Shadowcast performance just in time for a Pittsburgh Pride. That's right. Come up to the lab on Saturday, June 4th for the Rocky Horror 60s show. Think Rocky meets Hairspray with all the fashion, dance moves, and social activism that goes with the era. 
Joining these two casts on stage, we'll also see members of the Sonic Transducers from Washington, D.C. and the Creative Alliance in Baltimore, which is a group of dancers, actors, pantomimers, drag performers, and vocalists. If you can make it out to Pittsburgh, we cannot encourage you guys enough to check this one out. It's going to be an insanely good time. The JCCP are fantastic hosts, and we're beyond pumped to see the chocolate-covered Rocky cast getting involved with the community. Everything we've seen of their shows is just amazingly good. They've got a solid cast of just stupid, talented people, and we'd really love to see even more of them out there in the community. Mm-hmm. If you're interested in checking out this show, tickets are already available on Eventbrite for the low, low, low cost of $30 for a single ticket or $25 each if you buy two or more. And of course, we've got all those sweet, sweet deets linked for you in our show notes. And with that, I think it's time for a little snacky time. Uh... No, no, John, 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 don't worry. It's different. It's different this week. It's a pack snack. Oh, that makes it better. And actually, it's an ack snack because Aaron's just going to be asking some questions to Phil because we are not going to fucking give up this opportunity to ask one of the original people all of the questions that I've been burning to ask. So, Phil, we are deeply appreciative that you have time to join us today. And I just want to take the opportunity to dig into some knowledge that only you hold. So what you're saying is that I can kick back. Yeah, yeah. Just cruise. Oh, thank God. All right. Let's kick it off with a softball then. Phil, you're known by many names. Checker Phil as Phil from the Checkerboard Kids, the boy genius, and most concisely, Esquire. Let's break him down. Where do those monikers come from? Man, oh man. All right. Esquire, boy genius in full effect. Back in the days, in the in the Rocky days, uh, when we were at Movie Land, everybody had like sort of like a kind of a persona going on there. Uh, Sal had this thing called the posse. And like there would be all these different kind of characters. And me, I was Phil Esquire, the boy genius. Now Esquire kind of is a... I remember the magazine Esquire, but also kind of like a, a kind of a, a gentleman. I was a gentleman. That's what, that was my my jam there because uh, I wasn't into all the main drama. Now, don't get me wrong. I was all up in the drama, but I tried to avoid it. Uh, boy genius because I relatively uh, – <laughs> I look back at the, the whole boy genius moniker and I wince every time I think about it because upon my years, I realize, yes, no longer a boy and definitely, definitely far from genius. But at the time – you kind of wished yourself into being. So I was sort of youthful there. And also I was kind of smart. I, I, I had some smarts there. And then uh, Checker Phil, uh, it's mostly because A, I love ska music. So there was uh, that whole uh, two-tone sort of thing with the kind of thing. And also uh, I have really black and white thinking where I'm either all or nothing. There's like... Any subject, we were going through this before when we went out to eat. It's like whatever subject you give me, I could, I will either love it or hate it. So, so, all right, John, give me a topic, any topic. Tell me, and I'll tell you if I love it or hate it. Uh, Pepto Bisbal. I love it. It's delicious, isn't it? I would hit that stuff from the bottle even if I wasn't sick. Yeah, exactly. I want to dump it into a bowl and then put tums in it and eat it like a cereal. Oh, dude, that's disgusting. You're <laughs> disgusting. I mean, I'll do it too. I have stomach problems too. So like sign me up for some of that Pepto cereal. So yeah, that's, that's what the whole checkerboard thing is sort of thing. That's my shtick. 
Awesome. All right. So as you know, and our listeners can attest, we reference fan club materials from yesteryear a lot. Our most frequently sourced books are definitely Sal's Creatures of the Night, both one and two. However, bone to pick, not a bone to pick, just gotta say, Sal's fantastic books only cover the fan club in the New York Rocky Horror scene up until when he wrote them, the mid-90s, around 1995. And I personally didn't come to New York until about a decade later, around 2005-2006. So one of the most frequent questions that new members of the community ask us, and ask me in particular, is about what Rocky was like back in the good old days. And I have to tell them that they're asking the wrong guy. But today, we've got the right guy. So, Phil, as someone who was there at the 8th Street Playhouse, just how fucking crazy was Rocky Horror in the 80s? And in particular, at the theater that just defined the whole cult phenomenon. Oh, dude. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Um, if you were to be in any situation where there was any old timers at Rocky, believe me, they would be eliciting this at any given you know, Back in the days, Rocky was just whatever sanitized version that you guys have over here <laughs> with your not drinking rules and your you can't get high and, the, and no nudity and no nip slips. How dare they're back in the days. This wouldn't happen. But honestly, uh, back in the days, as a, as a person that was literally a kid uh, hanging out in the 8th Street Playhouse, yeah, there was a lot of people smoking weed and, uh, you know, what you call it, and a lot of random nudity and just generally wild partying stuff. It was a madhouse. And it all goes back to even the, the permissiveness of the person who was running the Playhouse, which was Steve Hirsch, you know, and he was, you know, he was a wild partying kind of guy. And uh, he took that all the way to his passing. And then uh, after he passed, then there was kind of like a pall over everything because everybody was, you know, A, we lost our home. Right. But it's also like, you know, lots of people were dying back then. And it was really sort of wild, messed up stuff. From there, we ended up moving from there to the East Side Cinemas, which is like 55th Street. We were just looking at the remnants of that spot now. That was – it was wild. It was fun. We had a good management that really liked us. And then we ended up moving down to um, Movie Land 8th Street. And on Movie Land 8th Street, that was pretty cool. Uh, the management there, the one guy, we had this one guy, Rob, who really liked us. But he was, like, really super involved in our cast. Like, uh, But we also had people that hated us. There was our security people. They used to, like, rip out our microphones and tear them apart because they hated us so much. But also good things happened. Um, I remember little Nell coming to visit us. There, there's a picture of that in Creatures of the Night when she came to the theater to hang out. And uh, also Weird Al was performing over at NYU and then walked on over with his group to come to see the movie. And then afterwards, everybody, we all went to this place called Polyesters, which was a 80s bar with all these kind of 80s themed stuff. And he hung out and just took pictures with everybody. I mean, it was just like some awesome, fun stuff. And then from there, the theater got sold to NYU. NYU ended up getting the theater and booted us out. And uh, we were lacrimose. We did not know what we were going to do. And Sal was able to uh, get us the 12th Street Theater. We were able to be there at the East Side Cinemas for a bit. So we were over there. And I see that you guys are out there now. Like, yeah, you know, yep. 
going back to the old spot. And uh, that place used to be um, it used to be a synagogue. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. If you look at the exterior of it, you could see that the place used to be a synagogue. Like it still has like the the Hebrew writing on the sides and stuff like that. It, it yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. So then from there we moved to 23rd Street, like from there. Okay, so what eventually became Chelsea Bowtie and then the what's the Sinopolis. <laughs> Yeah, the yeah. bow ties, Sinopolis, and yeah. Yeah, yeah, all that. But there was a lot of changing of hands uh, within the cast. Like this, the cast had many different cults of personality in charge and back and forth. And like anybody knows, any Rocky people know the drama that's involved and cast coordinating and things like that. But uh, ultimately, things started evening out to its normal version of itself. Now, rules had to be put in place to keep people safe because I tell you, the anarchy that was going on like I said, now people would be effing in jail for their behaviors. <laughs> Just saying. So I don't know. I, I I would like to talk about this a little bit more, but I don't want to incriminate myself or other people. I know that there's actually a, a person that's right now, he's writing a book. He's interviewed a whole bunch of 8th Street people. Oh. And uh, it's kind of like, uh, I remember there was a book back in the days about, I think about Florida Rocky. It was called Sex, Drugs, and Rocky Horror. Was that the Florida? For the Lord of class or one of these other casts. Yeah. And uh, so there's a, oh, I, I see you reaching in your vast library. There's it. Uh, what? Confessions of a Transylvania. What's that one? Uh, yep. Confessions of a Transylvanian, a story of sex, drugs, and Rocky horror. Right uh, that's uh, Kevin Thiessen, Ron Fox. They were Florida cast. It's a little fictionalized, but it's all the drama. Well, trust me on this on this one. I, I, the person that is working on this one, he's spoken to a lot of people from from Eighth Street and stuff like that, and they got some stuff. I don't think they're naming particular names, but uh, people at the time you could figure out who's who. Just saying. So look for that book. I'll send them your way when they're going to start plugging. Oh, absolutely. So let's take it back to the beginning of the story, the start of the fan club and stuff. John, you had something about this. So you were on the front line of the fan club for the height of its involvement in the Rocky community. In Creatures, Sal briefly mentions that all the different roles that you took on over the years, what was it like being at the center of the action? And what were some of the most unique Rocky projects that you personally were involved in? Wow. All right. Uh, working for the fan club, it was kind of like a twofold thing. The main goal of the fan club back in the days, this is so before computers, um, what happens is we would get letters from all around the world and we'd have to send them, people wanted memberships and we used to send them membership cards, a pin and a newsletter and uh, answer any questions. And you had to answer these questions by hand. There was no computer to be had here. And uh, we got to talk to people from all these different casts, people that were having cash problems, people that were trying to get the movie in their theaters or anybody that was had any drama with their theaters. You know, it's like we were talking to them all and we got to meet so many different people. Some of these people I still see on Facebook now. I see like Kim McFarland, a very talented artist from the Atlanta cast. Um, I got to like, man, there were so many different people that, that you would just talk to. Like the amount of mail that we had to send literally bags and bag big garbage bags full of mail and you couldn't just like show up at the post office and do it we had to have runs we'd have to show up at a post office and just stuff a mailbox real quick and this is like completely against the law on the low and um you know <laughs> just run up there or go into the post office just like stuff a whole bunch in there and then leave before anybody catches you you know it was just that kind of shenanigans and also there was convention stuff it was just a lot of like 
meeting other people. One of my more favorite times, there was a person from the Philadelphia cast. Man, this guy was like, on point, knew all his stuff, knew all the people. He was constantly writing us and he said, I'm going to be coming up to New York uh, to meet you guys. I'm looking forward to meeting you. And then it comes and it's this little tiny kid. And he opens his mouth and he sounds like an adult. If anybody ever knew uh, Jake Fogelnest, uh, he was a uh, squirt from Squirt TV on MTV and things like this. He's still he's still doing stuff now, produced a whole bunch of things. And yeah, that was that kid. Man. And even now, I still see him on his uh, his Jake Army and things like this. He's a DJ for a while. And uh, you see on his Instagram, he's still collecting Rocky memorabilia and things like that. He, he was just he just uh, copped a, a copy of that uh, the Rocky audio. Like the Rocky audio recording uh-huh. the album, pretty rare. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. So cool. I could I could ask you about the fan club for hours. I wanted to talk about this. Your artwork is just some of the most recognizable pieces that have adorned just all manner of Rocky and non-Rocky periodicals and memorabilia over the years. Like, how did you get started doing Rocky art? I knew you, you were an artist, you know, when you first found Rocky, you know, when you were young. But, like, what got you to, like, I want to draw Rocky stuff? And what piece really sticks out in your mind even today? Oh, well, basically, they went to Music and Art High School, much like, hey, Dory Hartley also went to, to Music and Art High School, too. And and there was a lot a lot of Rocky people that, that went there. And, like, when you draw, I, I was more like a comic book kind of person, and you draw what you know. So I was always drawing cartoons about Rocky or doing cartoons about Eddie or or just things things like that. And I, I remember doing for, maybe it was for Unconventional Conventionalist or one of these other uh, Rocky magazines. I remember doing the AP thing and that went in there. But I did this one cartoon. I'm trying to remember what magazine it was for. It was the archetypes of different Rocky people that you'll meet at the show. And it had like everybody broken down, like much like, a, I think it was, a, what's what's the psychologist that has all, all the archetypes of personalities, like, you will find the same people. Like I've been to different Rockies all around. I've been around the world and I, 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 I've seen a whole bunch of different casts. You'll notice the same kind of people show up. There's like audience participation monsters. There's people that are only like, they're only into the tech. That's their thing. They're the technology things. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like all these things. I wish I could find that cartoon. Cause like, if you find, find that cartoon and put that in the show notes, I want to see that one. I haven't seen that thing in so long. It was one of my favorite cartoons I ever drew. Another thing is doing is doing Rocky horror drawings. It's like, you think like you take what you like and then you mix it with that. Like, uh, Oh, here's a quick plug. I love ska music. I do a television show called checkerboard kids. And, uh, in general, about ska stuff, there was a comic book called Rude Tales. It had three issues, and uh, I drew stuff for the second issue. And then the third issue, I did a thing called the Rocky Scara Picture Show. So all you people that really love rare stuff about Rocky, I mean, all right, I'm taking Aaron right out of it because I gave him a copy of it. I only have three copies of it. But uh, it is it is I put together like a kind of like Rocky horror parody, but with ska. Because I thought, oh, yeah, Rocky and Scott music, there should be a thing. And then they people approached me, this guy named Badger, I think it's Ryan Basile, a couple of other people, uh, Bob Tim, another uh, ska drummer. And they were looking for a compilation of different bands that are doing uh, ska versions of Rocky Horror Picture so, uh, songs. I knew this young and upcoming ska band called Scaba the Hut, and we got together and did Sword of Damocles, and I got to be the narrator in it. So I'm going to look it up. Rocky Hara, you're doing fine. Well, it's Scaba. It's because it's Scaba the Hut. And then in the middle, like 
um, we got a great producer. Uh, it was Jerrica from the Scofflaws uh, produced it. The record was getting made. And then Scaba the Hut got hit with a, a lawsuit, a cease and desist from Lucasfilm, I guess, because you couldn't. You couldn't oh, no. And they had to, they changed their name to the Conquistadors or El Conquistadors. I remember what Dingo was the name of the lead singer and a couple of the other people in there. Other people in the band, they ended up becoming really famous. One was in CSI Miami became like the lead character of that and a couple of other people and uh kind of like there's a little yeah look up that one in, in your yeah show notes for that the main thing is that so that song got made and the album ended up coming out and then immediately got pulled out like it was out for a while and then gone so uh on the low i still have a copy of that song so i am passing it under the table very Ooh. carefully to you aaron and somehow this audio will get leaked out to the masses where people can listen to it at their own convenience and feel free to spread it around to whoever because what are they going to do sue us uh, please don't we're poor it will definitely not be anonymously uploaded to somewhere that you can uh, possibly find in our show notes if someone who knows who might accidentally put a link to it in there certainly wouldn't have been me that's fucking amazing, Phil. Like, I didn't even know this thing existed. I was so excited about it. You handed me this copy of this comic book earlier, and just, I have never seen a copy of this thing. I, I've i known that it existed. Like, I'd seen a cover, because I think Ruth had archived it as, like, just a thing that existed. Oh, Rocky but related. I, yeah, like one of her, you know, a million Rocky-related things. But I had no hope of ever finding it or seeing it or let alone having a copy of it. So... Oh my God, I'm so excited to have this and I can't wait to sit down and flip through it and just enjoy all of the great stuff. Actually, I love your your uh, your comic rack over here in the house where I see that you have the, the Rocky comics and stuff like that. And uh, another other good uh, comic to have, you want to have the Shanda the Panda Rocky Rocky uh, crossover. That's a, another cute one that I, I have. What, what is this? I've never heard of this. Shanda the Panda. Uh, I think the, this, this person, uh, I think they really dug some Rocky and then they did like a whole Rocky Horror cover related thing. And the, the storyline is about them going to Rocky. Um, okay, well, we're just going to hold this episode until I can go on eBay, and uh, then we'll go ahead and release it after I've Shanda snatched up the all panda. the copies. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Amazing. Hey, nerdy, nerdy Rocky comic stuff. It's it's all good. We're riding <laughs> nerdy right now. <laughs> so Sal mentions in Creatures that he retired as New York's cast director in 1992 because he was frustrated with the management at the Movieland 8th Street Triplex. And this, of course, not the famed 8th Street Playhouse, but the second theater that the cast moved to after the original 8th Street had closed. So Sal retired, and I know the New York cast changed directors and theaters a few times. Mm -hmm. Can you give our listeners some insight into the saga that is the New York Rocky during the 90s and into the early 2000s? Yeah, like, what was it like to step into Sal's shoes and take on literally the most well-known Rocky cast in the country, if not the world? Man, I'll tell ya. you. Want to know the real truth is it's probably the same for any cast person that has a big name person that that's hold down that cast for so long. And then all of a sudden you find your thing is there is immediately a coup. <laughs> what happens is other people's like, I'm more popular than him because what happens is Sal pulled me over and said, dude, I'm stepping down. You're the person that you're going to do this thing. And I'm like, me, I'm just the person that plays the music and does the thing. I, I ain't the person. Like there's always the way that I feel that Rocky always goes. There's the face 
and then there's the man in the chair that does the thing. So I'm usually the person that does the thing. And I wasn't meant to be the face, but there were other people that were just like, I'm in there. I'm doing it. I'm popular. We all voted and you're out and I'm in. And I'm just like, okay, go ahead, dude, do your thing. Do you, boo. So, and they were doing it. And then slowly but surely, it isn't like you can just step in and suddenly start like putting all your friends in to perform whenever they want. And then you'll start noticing other people are getting dissatisfied. There's certain situations, people are quitting, people are fighting, things are going on. And then you're realizing that being a cast coordinator and being involved with the show and doing the things is more than just being like, hey, everybody, here's some virgins. No, dude. It's like maintaining special liaison between all your performers to make sure there's a subtle nuance to be able to to navigate all the different politics that's going on there. You have like a whole bunch of different people. You have performers and friends and lovers and technical people and newbies that want to get involved and you want to keep them safe from really lecherous people that are up to shenanigans and like all these different things going on there all simultaneously and be able to hold all these things down. That is a world of responsibility to go on because if not, ask any cast coordinator, things could decimate in a second. A person could do a wrong thing or say a wrong thing. And next thing you know, casts are rended in half. I remember going some places and like certain people only performed on Fridays and certain people only performed on Saturdays and you can't do these things. You can't do these things. There's all these different rules. And it's just like, no. And then eventually what happens is they were just like, dude, can you like take over this thing? And I'm like, <laughs> dude, I've been doing all the things. I'm doing all the things. So I'm doing it. So you basically get to still go do your thing. Like you think you're the thing, but you know, we're doing the thing. And I, even though I might be just saying doing the thing, you all know what I'm really saying. I'm looking, I'm looking across at Meg and I'm, I'm getting that nod. And it's the knowledgeable nod of anybody who's cast coordinated or anybody who's ever hosted. You know what I'm talking about. It's being able to just work within because it's, it's all politics. It's all handshaking and being able to all get along. So you're dealing with a whole bunch of people. A lot of them are think very highly of themselves. Some might even call them narcissistic. Oh, also, I must admit myself, also narcissistic, but also in certain ways. What was I referencing? Uh, the art of war. Mm-hmm. You know, be smart. But don't let the other people think that you're too smart because then they're going to try to kill you. And also, very important, you delegate responsibility to people that you trust. And also, don't make it all about yourself because a lot of people that try to create that cult of personality, things fall. I mean, Sal was a different thing. Sal was an anomaly. Sal was – he was at the right place at the right time and he created something so beautiful and so pure. He said, Rocky Horror is the movie – of the 70s, 80s, 90s, and beyond. And here we are at 2022, and it's still going on. And trust me when I say that as long as there are people that have pure hearts and, well, whatever your real intentions are, um, at least they want the show to do well. And if you're not doing it for ego tripping, some people, I must admit, it's an ego tripping thing. I get it. But if you are thinking and putting your cast first and doing the good thing and putting everybody together so that everybody gets a chance to perform so that other people that aren't so good get a chance to get better so they could become better performers and people get together and work together so costumes can get better together, um, makeup can get better together, lighting can get better together, everybody gets to work together, people that are old timers and new timers together, you will have 
an amazing cast that is unstoppable and unbeatable. Anybody knows that. You've seen good casts, you know. Yep. And and with the advent of technology, oh, so beautiful. Keep doing this. It is incumbent upon all of us to keep Rocky. Oh, look at me. I'm like, hold on. Let me get off this soapbox over here talking about how beautiful Rocky can be. And Rocky is. Some of the best people I see performing. I, I feel weepy. I see. I feel weepy when I see you guys performing and doing that thing. When we did that show, where was that? Where was that show at? The caveat show. Yeah, the caveat show. That was so breaking new ground. You know, keeping these things going, like and evolving it. That is the future of Rocky. The future of Rocky is happening. Even as we speak, I see these things. I've been around for a hot minute. One day I will be dead and people will be listening back to this and saying, you know that, Phil, he had some good ideas over there. In any case, if I could implore anybody, stay true to this. Use your skills to this because we are raising the future, the future directors, the future costume designers, the future actors, the future actresses, future comedians, the future everybody. Uh, we were talking before, Ryan that does does hair and stuff like that for Broadway. Yo, that dude just came in. We just wanted to do some stuff, doing that Rocky stuff, showing those Rocky skills, and now doing it on Broadway. There's other people, oh, you know, I have other friends out there, the fan club pals that are out there on Broadway, working on Broadway, doing their thing. People come to New York, big city of dreams, but also whatever city you're in, wherever you're listening to this, Ah, look at me waxing poetic. Back in my time, I should have like a a, a little uh, one of those sweaters and a corn cob pipe or something. <laughs> oh, Phil, you you just said all the words. I, I it it makes me so happy to hear that what you value with Rocky, what you valued back in the day, it's the same things that we value today, and just that journey, you know, that everybody takes in the community is just it's it's what we're all here for. Understandable. Trust me, in the back of the day, I was just trying to get laid. No, seriously, there was other situations where women would just pull me aside and say, hey, come here. And I'd be like, okay, thank you, Rocky Hara. And they would pull me aside and like make out with me. And like, seriously, I remember I was just like, holy cow, thank you, Rocky Hara. And I remember being in another situation where this person was fighting with two of their boyfriends. Their two boyfriends showed up and they were both fighting. And then this young lady pulled me aside and started making out with me because she was so turned on by her two sort of boyfriends <laughs> fighting over each other. These are real Rocky Horror stories, folks. Oh and if you've seen me, I was a fat kid with glasses. See, this some body positivity stuff. This was really helping my self-esteem. It really was. Oh, Just saying. Oh. So as someone with a front row seat to the entire cult following, what are the biggest ways that you think Rocky has changed? What trends have come and gone? And what do you think about the state of the union for Rocky today? What would you like to see for the 50th? Ah, uh, the 50th. What I would like to see in the 50th. I mean, come on, three years away. We're almost there. I think the thing that I would like to see more is more people coming together right now. Uh, I would like to see more diversity among casts, but not just like racially, you know, sexually, also people uh, ability wise too. I remember, man, I remember in Florida going to see the Orlando cast and there was a gal that did magenta and yo, she had a wheelchair and she was friggin' rocking. A, she was smoking hot and B, yo, she not only did she have a wheelchair, she also had a 
friggin' van. How did that? She had like a mini truck or something like that and was able to drive around and have a wheelchair. That was some crazy stuff there. But yo, talk about like very able, very capable, very holding it down. I want to see more of that. I want to see deaf Rocky people. I want to see everybody, whatever abilities there. You know, I just want to see people, everybody coming together and doing it. This sounded like that sounded really wrong, but also sounded right. I dis- no, I, I disagree. I think that sounded very right. I would love to see all these people come together doing it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> 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 yeah. I, I think that that's the way to go. I mean, like everybody from every country, every it, the only way that Rocky is going to be able to make it to the next generation is by us all coming together and not holding anybody back. So that means, all right, all you old codgers like me, don't be sticking up your nose at all these, at you young people, you shouldn't be doing these things. And all you young people, don't be looking back at all these old codgers over there, look at them. The main point is, let's all get together on this. Let's all learn from each other. Let's all be peaceful and let's all keep doing this. I don't care what country you're in, just everybody get along and let's do this thing because we're bringing it all to the next generation. We're all learning to be better performers. We're all learning to take technology wise, seriously, the stuff that I saw like you doing, uh, the stuff that we see like being able to do with Zoom things, people from all different countries getting together and doing it, this, is what Rocky is all about. This is beyond any scope that anybody could have hoped for this thing. You know, people thought that Rocky wouldn't have been a thing, but now <laughs> it's it's everywhere. It's It will always be. It will be a touchstone for diversity. It'll be a touchstone for different sexualities. It'll be a touchstone for everything. One day, it is the thing that certain governmental people would like to stop. And that's when you know you're on the right side of history. People want to stop you for existing. People want to stop you from what kind of music you like. People want to stop you for how you want to dress. People want to stop you from these things. Yo, we are moving towards the future. Why do you think we're doing the time warp? Mm-hmm. We're, we're warping time into the future. We keep sticking around. Part of us is still the same. Part of us is moving to the future. We're always doing this thing. And all at the same time, we're reaching out to everybody. I could go to Rocky in any country. Y'all, I wouldn't be going out to Berlin. You better know I'm going to be looking at Max Mayhem and his people over there. Because wherever we go... We could talk to any of the Rocky people on the Facebook thing, and everybody knows a person that knows a person that knows a person. This is the community. We're like a bunch of secret agents, except uh, we're pretty much out there, and you know where we're at, and you know our theaters, and you know our spots, and you know how we act, and you know what we like. Oh, it's so true. It's so true. I mean, it's it's the thing, the trend, right? That's I, I don't even want to call it a trend. It's the way that Rocky's evolved in the last five or ten years or so. We're just... It's all about that. It's all about getting everybody on stage, including everybody, making sure that, you know, Rocky is a safe space for everyone and that everyone gets to enjoy this thing that honestly has just meant so much to all of us, you know? Even shy people like me, like, you know, <laughs> people that were just like, I just want to fade into the background. Guess what? All the Texans, people, all the people that are doing this stuff and doing all the lighting and stuff like that, they get the chance to have their bows too. And I tell you, they get their groupies too. So don't even play off like you, like, you know, hiding there in the background. We know what you up to. <laughs> just staying. I see you. Oh, we could go on forever, Phil. And uh, we're going to keep this conversation going off the air, but 
wrapping up, and this one is totally not just for me and just not me fishing for topics for our Ask a Question segment, but are there any, like, lesser-known Rocky topics or just events or anything that you think the community would find fascinating that we should probably be looking into? Oh, yeah. Your number one question that I will leave you with is... When are you going to have Sal on the show? And are you compiling questions for that moment? God damn it, Phil. I knew you'd ask that. I knew it. Well, our people are talking to Sal's people. And by that, I mean, I think you gave Meg his number. So. <laughs> he waiting. Oh, boy. He waiting. That's a, that's a big fish to fry. I'm very excited for that. One, one of these days soon, we'll have to get Sal on and. Oh my God, that's going to be an absolute treat. I'm so excited for that. I, I think that might be a two-parter. Uh, it might be a 10-parter. Like, I don't know how I could... I don't know. I, Can I say one last thing to the to the people? Now that I have the ear of all the Rocky people, yo, anybody that listens to this show, for real, all the people that, that, that love this thing, yo, definitely give it a like, subscribe, do all those things to it because this really deserves to thrive. This is the voice of Rocky for real. It's like sometimes when I'm just walking around, I just listen to this and I'm like, I'm enjoying it. I am loving it. So I'm like, if I'm just some schmuck over here and enjoying it, like any Rocky people, I'm sure wherever, wherever state you're in, whatever performing part you're in, whatever thing you do, you must be getting something from this. And also the last thing I want to say is embrace the new blood embrace all the new people because i was saying that rocky horror we are definitely vampiric people and our future is it's really important that we get our stuff from the lifeblood of the newer members because this is where they come in they feel attracted to this so present the most attractive face of rocky stop being with the drama kings and drama queens be embracing to us all be um magnanimous don't look down on people. Some people come in here and you think you are the only diva, but be kind. In fact, I'll say, uh, if you know Diva Perry, Perry is, his his name might be the diva, but he is very humble and he is very kind to everybody. So that's a good example of people that, you know, if you, no matter how much stuff you did, no matter how much Rocky things you did, no matter who you met, no matter who you friends with, Yo, be cool to everybody because you don't know who's going to be some rich, famous person in the future, you know, doing these things and producing these shows. You know, be cool because Rocky loves you and, you know, they love you too. Hold it. You know what I mean? You love Rocky and Rocky loves you back and keep this for everybody. Doesn't matter if you uh, like uh, Glee or Fox or any of those things. Everybody gets in where they fit in and then everybody will grow together. I might sound wacky. Well, look at me. I'm like the old codger now. Grandpa, shut up and sit down. Take your Geritol. All right, all right. I'm sitting down now. Oh, no. You can keep talking forever. Hit the nail right on the head there. I'm going to hit the nail on the head over here in the corner. (laughs) And that's our show. We want to thank Phil for being such a wonderful and smoking hot co-host this week and letting us pick his brain. My brain. As always, we'd like to thank our writer, Jacob, and our editor, Aaron, from Tennessee. You guys are fantastic, and the show wouldn't be nearly as good without you. 
In fact, there wouldn't be a show at all. If anyone has a question they'd like us to answer on air for Nikki asks a question or whoever you are asks a question or some community news they'd like us to talk about or even a cool story to share with the community, we'd of course love to include it in our show. Just go to our website, that's rockytalkypodcast.com and fill out our contact form to tell us all about it. If you're enjoying Rocky Talkie, please help us out by rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the show. It makes the podcast more accessible to the new listeners, which really, really, really helps grow the show. And if you want even more Rocky Talkie content, check us out on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok, all at Rocky Talkie Podcast. We'll talk to you all next week. Bye. Bye. See you. 72. Bye. See ya. And no, that isn't a combat term for incapacitation. What? So. <laughs> what? Man, Jacob, stop writing scripts. <laughs> You're the one who allowed him to do this. I know. I'll so, allow it. Boy, now I see what the really the troubles your guys really got to go through with this stuff. <laughs> uh, it sounds so smooth when I watch it on TV or when I listen to it on Witch Call. It's a lot harder than it looks. It sure is. Phew. Horror on the High Seas recently announced its inaugural. Horror on the High Seas recently announced its inaugural. Inaugural. Horror. And that's our show. We would like to thank absolutely nobody. Horror on the High Seas recently announced its inaugural. 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 Stop adding a fucking syllable, John. Horror on the High Seas recently announced its inaugural cruise convention. If you can make. Oh, shit. I would love to make shit right now. <laughs> Beetlejuice looks very intense on this whole thing. There's a plug. I need a plug. There you go. I see Beetlejuice looking over like, how can I possibly get up to that laptop so I could knock over that that, that uh-huh. glass of juice? I, I, I just, I love you guys. I, I just like, oh, this is my dream to be here and just watch you guys do your thing. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. We're ridiculous. Ah, but you're the good kind of ridiculous. I really appreciate you. Who gets to say bye? Because it's always in black. Everybody. Everybody. Bye. <laughs>